This is Dolly Duran, and you're listening to Wake Up and Be Awesome podcast. Thanks for tuning in. The goal of this podcast is to promote ideas that inspire so we may learn together in an overall pursuit of making this world a better place. My guest today is Kanchan Koya. Kanchan has a doctorate in molecular biology from Harvard Medical School, and she knows that food can be the best and most powerful preventative medicine. While studying DNA repair as a PhD student, Kanchan's lab began studying the cancer-fighting powers of curcumin, the active compound in the ancient spice turmeric. This sparked Kanchan's interest in the science-backed health benefits of spices, which she grew up enjoying in India. After becoming a mother, Kanchan founded Spice Spice Baby, a platform she dedicated to shedding light on the healing potential of spices, demystifying them for a global audience and inspiring their use in food for the whole family. Kanchan's recipes are original, eclectic, nutritious, and packed with spice. She is part of the creator's program at BuzzFeed. Tasty, wait, BuzzFeed Tasty, oh gosh. Creating recipes and digital content for global audiences of millions. Kanchan recently launched the Mom Light Pot podcast to help mothers find health and wellness despite the challenges and demands of motherhood. You can find her experimenting with spices in her kitchen, enjoying a sweaty yoga class, or sipping a glass of wine in Brooklyn, where she lives with her husband and two kids. Kanchan, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Dolly. Thank you for that kind intro. Oh, I'm so sorry I butchered it, but I have to tell you, I am, and I told, we talked a little bit about this before we started, I am experiencing a little bit of resistance. Um, so, to start, like my when I came back from France, my glasses, my regular glasses that I wear every day, I found them cracked in my purse. And I was like, <gasps> so that was like immediately, you know, I almost freaked out. But then I was like, nope, you know, it's going to be fine. We're going to figure it out. So these are my backup glasses. Okay. So well, they look great. They're very <laughs> Thank you. And then the other thing, of course, is my printer. I, for some reason, there's no electricity. My printer's not working. I normally print my questions. So today I read it with my glasses that are not my regular glasses. <laughs> hey, resistance is real. Like we were talking about, anytime you want to do anything that matters, there's going to be resistance. Absolutely. Yeah. So let's start with you. Wow. That's quite a resume you have. You're very accomplished. You should be so proud of yourself. Oh, thank you. I am proud. I'm kind of prouder of what's come after the resume though, to be honest. Okay, cool. Yeah. And I'm sure we're going to get into that. I mean, unless you just want to start. <laughs> get right into it. The questions or how do you want to do it? Yeah. However you want, it's your show. I'm so Absolutely. honored to be here. Um, I love the title of the show, Wake oh, Up and so Awesome. Much. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I'm proud of the fact that I woke up uh, from the matrix, you know, if that if maybe that sounds like very <laughs> overly dramatic or cliched, but I was very accomplished in the matrix. Mm -hmm. I was very subscribed to it. I was um, uh, I was kind of like carrying this deep belief that I had to be exceptional academically to be of value in the world and to be loved really or wow. to matter like pretty deep stuff. Yeah. And where did that really stem from initially? Just so we get a. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure. I mean, my parents are incredibly loving and supportive and they're, they've been so supportive of my quote unquote pivot away from this kind of traditional path to that's what I nice. want. Wow, yeah, that's nice. Yeah, no, great. they have. But a lot of times you get 
even more resistance from the people closest to you. So that's, that's great. Yeah, they, they, it's been a journey for them, but they're very supportive now. I almost feel, and I think about this a lot now that I have kids, mm-hmm. you know, I think um, being innately talented, um, like academically, for example. So I was just very academically inclined, very young, and I would study, study, study and get really good grades and like be like the, for, like have the highest grade in the class since I was six years old. I also went to a system that uh, went through an educational system in India that really valued that. So very early on, um, I just became the person that always excelled. And there was a lot of accolades and attention paid to that. And I think I just quickly internalized this idea that if I kept doing that and kept performing at that level, I would keep garnering the attention and the accolades. And somehow that in my mind equated to love. I was a kid, you know, so I was like, all this attention and all this... Um, yeah, all, just all this attention means people love me. Yeah, I mean, well, you normally, you know, you probably remember receiving that, you know, acceptance, like, oh, wow, you yes. know, look at her. And that in and of itself can be a little bit of an addiction, I think, maybe to some, you know? Totally yeah. an addiction. And then what happens is like this deep fear sets in um, about the possibility of deviating from that mission of constant excellence, but excellence in a way that makes sense to everybody else. So, you know, she's an acad- she's on the academic path, then she goes to school and she gets like a 3.9 GPA and then she decides she's going to do research and she goes to Harvard like, oh my goodness, like, you know, like I'm just checking all the boxes constantly and everybody's so happy and I'm like, I guess I'm really happy too because everybody's happy. <laughs> right, absolutely. And then um, what happened? At what point did it really like click? You know, it was a journey. There was not a single moment, but I would say that it was sort of a set of circumstances that forced me to really ask myself the question, um, if no one cared what I was doing, what would I really want to do? And that happened kind of post-grad school. I had done some biotechnology stuff, so I was still very much on the traditional path. And then my husband and I were asked if we would move to Hong Kong on an expat assignment. My son was six months old. I was a new mom. And we were in Hong Kong, and I was kind of forced wow. to reinvent myself professionally. Have a little bit of technical resistance. Yeah. Hopefully, don't pass quickly. I remember the run. I was jogging. On. Hear me? Are we losing? Did you lose me? I have you. Um, you're there. Okay. Do I need, should I say that again? <laughs> yeah, the last that I have is that six months old, you moved to Hong Kong. Right. And so basically, I just had this moment while I was on a run, like, what would I want to do with my life if no one else cared what I was doing? What do I really wow. want to do? And the answer was, I really want to be at the intersection of food and health and food and medicine. I had always been a foodie. I love to eat. I love to think about food. And I always love to geek out about health and science. And in my head, it just made sense to combine the two things. Sure. And, you know, cooking is so far from a PhD at Harvard that I think initially my loved ones and my friends and even my family were like, WTH is she doing? Like, <laughs> what has she done? She's lost her mind. <laughs> lost my mind. Did you get an intervention? No. 
Uh, I think I got a lot of snide remarks and like, oh, like you've just become a mom. Yeah, you've just become a mom. So like you're taking a break and like maybe this is your path. Of, like, oh, oh, that's funny how they tell you your life. Like you don't have a say in this. <laughs> yeah, you know, and I don't hide, I don't begrudge them. Like, honestly, I think sure. it's everyone's carrying this indoctrination of what yeah. is, what are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to be living our lives? What are we supposed to be doing for work? Mm-hmm. We're all indoctrinated. I was the same. So when you ask, like, how did that shift for me? That's the moment it started to shift. And it took a while. I would say it took three years or four years before I could really step into this new found love, passion and power. And I was like, this is what I'm doing. And this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Or maybe I'll change, but this is what I'm doing right now. And I'm owning it. And there's no apologies. And there's no shame. And I don't have to explain it to anyone. And that's it. Can we back up just a little bit? So you have an MD, is that right? You're a doctor. It's a PhD. So it's a research degree, a doctorate. Okay. And so you were working or just studying at Harvard. So what were you doing? I was doing? studying, yeah, so I was in a research lab. I was studying the deep, deep mechanics and technical details of how our DNA repairs itself when it's stressed or damaged. Mm. So very, very academic, very niche, very focused. I was a researcher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but you know that, I think that you make a good point that it was you know natural to marry the two, you know, your passion for food with what you studied. So kind of segue into how you, know, you founded your company. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I was uh, so I started the company Spice Spice Baby in 2014 um, as a hobby. I didn't think of it as a company then, you know, because I was still not in my power. I wasn't owning it, and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of figuring things out. Like I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I was internalizing all the resistance I was hearing from outside, and I was like, yeah, I'm kind of lost. Okay, fine. Right. So I'm gonna this as a blog and a hobby. So it started out as a platform where I was just going to write about the health benefits of spices and talk about how you can feed them to your kids because I was feeding my son spices and his baby purees and just talk about how, you know, for thousands of years, humanity has like embraced spices. And in modern times, a lot of us kind of devalue them or don't pay attention to them. I was just trying to bring them back into the mainstream. Yeah. I started out as a hobby and I loved it. I was like, I love this intersection of all these things that I'm good at, that I care about. I love the creative aspect of blogging and writing and taking photographs of food and developing recipes. So I think it just grew from this kind of hobby to a real business. Maybe it took about four year, three or four years before I was like, you know what, I'm going to write a cookbook. And once I decided I'm going to write a cookbook, it became a business because now I have a product I need to sell. And so that was, you know, it took a while for me to be like, oh yeah, this is what I'm doing and it's my business and I'm an actual entrepreneur and let's go. Wow. Okay. So um, give me an example of like some of the healing properties of spices, because I mean, we hear about spices, but you know, we don't really, what we use them in food. We use them for flavor. Tell us, give us a little bit of detail there. Yeah. So growing up in India, you know, most Indian households have actually every Indian household has a spice box. We have this round box with multiple 
tins and we have an array of spices and the ones that probably sound familiar to people are turmeric or turmeric, as people say, cumin, you know, paprika or cayenne chili pepper, black pepper, cardamom, cinnamon, so many spices. We grew up with them in India and we grow up, we've, we all grow up with a, an ancient medical system. In India, it's called Ayurveda. It's 5,000 years old, similar to oh. traditional Chinese medicine. And Ayurveda has been celebrating spices and their healing properties for thousands of years. So growing up in India, I knew that information intuitively because it's like passed down the generations. You know, you get a sore throat, you have golden milk. We definitely didn't call it golden milk growing up. It was just called turmeric milk and we all hated it as kids. <laughs> we, so <But> it works. <laughs> it works. Yeah. So, you know, years later I was at Harvard Medical School studying cancer biology at this cutting edge institution and my lab starts studying turmeric and I'm like, really? That's so ironic and kind of very amusing to me. So health benefits of spices, you know, the ancients knew that spices were really, really beneficial and now modern science is catching up to that ancient wisdom. So the examples that I like to give turmeric definitely gets a lot of the attention and it's very well-deserved attention because some of the properties of turmeric that make it really, really outstanding as a healing spice. One is it fights unwanted inflammation. So many people have heard like, oh, too much inflammation in modern times is making us sick. You know, some inflammation when you're fighting an infection or healing a wound is a good thing. But if there's chronic unwanted inflammation, you start to set the stage for lots of diseases, modern day diseases. So anti-inflammatory. Like very stressful on the body? In exactly. It's kind of like... It's a double-edged sword. Like you want it, but you want it to just do its thing and shut off. Like yeah. you want it to kill the bacteria, kill the virus, and then stop and then stop. If it's chronically happening, it's almost like a wildfire and it starts to attack, you know, instead of invading pathogens like viruses, bacteria, whatever, it starts to attack your own body, right? So then you start to see autoimmune conditions like arthritis or... Now we know that a lot of chronic inflammation is linked to things like cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, even cancer. Pretty much every modern day disease probably has an inflammatory component. So that's why you'll hear lots of health and wellness people say, you know, anti-inflammatory diets, anti-inflammatory diets. Every spice has been studied as a potential anti-inflammatory. So if you think of inflammation, turmeric is really, really powerful at, at curbing unwanted excessive inflammation. Uh, there's other spices like sumac, which is very popular in the Middle East, um, or even black pepper, nutmeg, uh, the cayenne pepper family. So inflammation is a great um, sort of example where spices can really be powerful especially when you combine them with other anti-inflammatory foods. And then um, some other examples would be like diabetes and blood sugar control. So studies have shown that cinnamon can help um, regulate blood sugar and help insulin wow. function. So really on and on. I could talk about this all day. I wrote a whole of book. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. But you know, I just like wanted to. How yeah. much to take? You know what I mean? Like how. Great question. Yeah. It really depends on the spice and what you're trying to achieve. So I like to suggest that we use spices generously in culinary amounts kind of more often than we're used to just to get a, a wide range of benefits and to kind of prevent a lot of these diseases from happening. 
If you are already in a diseased state, like say you have severe rheumatoid arthritis or you're trying to prevent, you know, you're really in the disease state already, I would say that you probably won't be able to get enough of the spice to have a therapeutic effect. And in that case, you could talk to your doctor about doing like a supplement of like curcumin, which is the active comp- you know, component of turmeric. All those studies have shown like in type 2 diabetics, just a teaspoon or less of cinnamon a day could have beneficial effects on blood sugar control. So it really wow. depends on the condition and the spice. Yeah. And that will tell you like how much you need and to have. And how would you use it? Is it cooking? Is it raw? Yeah. I mean, I like to suggest that you just cook with spices a lot and you don't have to cook involved ethnic complicated recipes. You could do, you know, cumin and sumac on your sunny side up eggs, um, turmeric and popcorn, like cardamom and banana bread. Like you don't have to cook a curry or something very technical to enjoy the benefits. That's been a big part of my mission because of course, like Indians and Moroccans and people in Thailand and like the islands know how to cook with spice and make a mean curry, but not everybody wants to eat curry every day. Not everyone that kind of time. Yeah, that makes sense. They're just awesome. trying to demystify them for global a global audience. Yeah, I definitely want to pick up that book. So yeah, it's for sure. Spice Spice Baby on Amazon. Spice Spice Baby. <laughs> All right, for sure. Cool. All right, tell me about your podcast, Mom Light. Um, yeah, so it's so interesting. Journey with health and wellness, is that right? Yeah my own journey. So a couple of things happened. One is that um, the reason I became interested in food and medicine and started Spice Spice Baby is because I wasn't in the pinkest of health growing up. It's, you know, the classic story, like your own struggle becomes your passion and your mission in life. Mm -hmm. Growing up, I was really overweight. Um, I didn't feel good. I had really poor digestion. Um, I was kind of troubled. Like I was kind of bullied uh, for being chubby. I internalized that. You know, I probably excelled academically to compensate for that. Like all those kinds of like cliched classical things. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And yeah, it was only in my 20s and 30s when I started doing a lot of experimentation on myself and really doing a deep dive into the science of like weight management and digestion and gut issues that I kind of healed myself really from this like lifelong overwhelming, debilitating challenge that really just took up so much headspace. I was like, gosh, you know, I wish I could think about something else other than the fact that I might gain like two pounds today if I don't watch myself. So I think that was always at the back of my mind. And uh, then I started Spice Spice Baby and I was helping parents feed their kids nutritious spiced food. And in the course of that, I saw that a lot of moms are struggling with their own health. They are feeling tired, depleted. A lot of them, you know, can't shed the excess weight after babies are long grown. They're just not feeling like themselves. And, and it having affects them too, right? I mean, that's very- right. Yeah, and so I just felt like having dealt with a lot of issues, similar issues, and overcome them in ways that I consider very positive and healthy and non-obsessive and really filled with abundance rather than deprivation and punishment. I just thought, you know, I want to share that, what I've learned with, with moms and the world. And so Mom Light, the podcast really came about because I felt this pain point in my existing audience of mothers. I had been helping them feed their kids and take care of their kids' health. And I was like, now I'm going to expand that offering and help them take care of themselves. Yeah. So look at that. You already had a captive audience. That's perfect. 
I did. And I think uh, I had a lot of struggle. I was like, oh, like I'm, I'm pivoting and I'm like, you know, people are going to be like, she's. Oh, I lost you there. Oh, like she's going from spices and baby. Uh-oh, we'll come back. Hold on. There we Can go. Can you hear me, Dolly? Yep. Oh, technical resistance today is like yeah, rearing it its ugly heads. <laughs> it is what it is. So anyway, yeah, my captive, I, I struggled a lot with the, the, the pivot. I'm not even going to call it a pivot anymore. I'm calling it an expansion. It's just an expansion of my offering. I will always continue to celebrate spices and cooking and always teach parents how to feed their kids more intentionally. But I um, now want to help moms themselves so they can have this domino ripple effect on the health of their families. Awesome. And how did you overcome the, your own health struggles? Can you kind of walk us through that? Yeah. So um, a lot of trial and error. Um, you know, finally I arrived at this place where I would say that now I I follow this path of abundance, except that the abundance is of real food as close to the earth as possible. Mm -hmm. So once I shifted my food habits towards just real wholesome food, tons and tons of vegetables, it sounds really like basic and not that revolutionary, but you know, mm -hmm. I just decided I'm going to make real abundant food so delicious that it feels yeah. like nothing but exciting and amazing and totally removed from these ideas of dieting and deprivation. So I would say a move towards real food, really celebrating that, having balance. So I live like an 80-20 life where 80% of the time I'm eating really thoughtfully, really consciously, and 20% of the time I'm just having fun and I'm eating whatever I want. And then um, I celebrate movement. I've always been a very, very active mover. So really celebrating movement and, and pursuing movement as a celebration of being alive rather than a punishment. And I would say the, th the third most um, game-changing um, aspect that really helped me was intermittent fasting. So oh, okay, yeah. those three things together. Mm -hmm. I like that. I like how you have them so, you know, like celebrating movements, you know, like some people just say, oh, I exercise. <laughs> well, because I think exercise for many is dull and boring. And like sore, there's, all, there's so many ways to exercise, right? You know? It's like, exactly. it's like, look at it. You don't have to have a gym membership, but you know what? Decide you're going to go for a walk after dinner. It's like, you know, it's a different way of looking at things. I absolutely. Totally. Yep. So what was it you said? I'm sorry, because I didn't get to write them all down. Celebrating movement. What was the first one? Oh, just a, a abundance of real whole foods. Oh, whole foods. Yes. Whole foods. Close, food. yeah, close to the earth as possible. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I should have remembered that one. <laughs> It's been a long day, okay? We have a lot of resistance with our technical. Yeah, work. seriously. Oh my gosh. Oh, good. Okay. So, um, all right. So we talked about your pressure to please and perform growing up. And then, so tell me about um, your approach to providing service through your business or your business as a service. Talk to me about that. Yeah. So, um, I've, I keep going back to the intention because I have this desire to please kind of still hardwired into me, but I'm very aware of it. When I catch myself 
in situations where I'm doing things for my business just to please or to get a pleasant response, I keep going back to the intention. What am I doing this for? And ultimately, I think, you know, what it came down to for me was the reason health and helping people feel healthy and helping moms feel healthy is so important is because when I was weighed down by my ill health, I couldn't access my inner light, as crazy as that sounds. It's like we're born with this inner light, this inner spark, whatever you want to call it, your soul, everybody, ha- you know, we have this yep. inner wisdom, this many names for it, right? Um, I think when you're so weighed down by your body that like it's, it kind of takes up so much of your headspace that I didn't, I wasn't able to then collect, connect with my inner light, my inner wisdom, my inner knowing, my intuition, my soul. <laughs> yep. And so if I go to, a, if I just go down to like, if I really dig deep, I think that's the motivation for me is I want to help more people find their inner light and health and helping them feel healthier and more vibrant in their physical body for me is like a means for them to get there, which is why the podcast is called mom light. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's really is for me about the fact that if we can just find that inner light and like shine it so bright, um, that's beautiful. It's going to be a happier place. I love it. I love that mission. Absolutely. I'm right there with you. Um, now, you, you said you overcame fear by realizing it was just a story in your mind. Walk me through that. Yeah, I didn't even know. I was so afraid and I was carrying this story. You know, I have to say, um, I came across a life coach um, sort of a couple of years into my business. It's funny how the universe has ways of sending people your way. I had never heard of a life coach. And when I first heard so-and-so was a life coach, I, I rolled my eyes and I was like, what? Like, what is that? Is that a thing? She just came into my life and you know what? I don't know. We had this connection and I signed up for like a three-month coaching program with her. And um, she, I think, really was like the beginning of the transformation for me. Um, She helped me see some of these limiting beliefs, some of these patterns that I had internalized, where the fear was coming from. We We did this meditation that I vividly remember, which at the time I was like, why are we doing this cheesy meditation? Like, this is ridiculous. But it's like crazy. I cried. I mean, I oh, saw wow. meditation and I still remember. The meditation was basically me visualizing myself as a little girl. And I'm in this room and it's completely empty and it's filled with light. And I'm just dancing and skipping and f- joyful. Like how, you, how we show up, right? That's how we show up. Mm-hmm. And then I was asked in the meditation to fill the room with all the people that I was surrounded by as a kid. And my room began to fill with my parents, my grandparents, my aunties, my uncles. And then it expanded to my school circle, like my teachers, the principal, you know. And I can't remember exactly how she guided me, but ended up being this like room where there was just a lot of expectation, Like it was like everybody loved me and they thought I was amazing, but suddenly I wasn't skipping and dancing anymore. I was like very scared that I was going to let people down because there was this massive like energy or vibe of expectation. Like she's so, she has so much potential. Let's see what she can do next, you know? And I stopped dancing because it's really hard to dance and flow and skip around when suddenly you're like, wait, I got to like meet all these expectations. So I was carrying that weight and it was crazy. Like in the end, we did this release exercise where I just 
I actually looked at these people's faces and I shone the light on them and they were all very loving. So a big part of it was my own story. You know, they were actually not so fierce wow. and not so intense. It was just me like having internalized this sense of expectation. So I let go of that. And it just, it, I just saw clearly like the heaviness that I was carrying around, which probably I had internalized as a kid myself. So, wow. um, I think that was the beginning for me. And then it's like, once you see it, there's no going back. Right. Sure. It's like you see it and it's not that it goes away. Right. Cause it's a deep ingrained belief, but now when it rears its head, you can see it and you're like, Oh, I'm having this like reaction to the situation because I'm afraid. And so it's there. I know it's still there. Like we got a long way to go, but, um, you know, at least I see it and it loses its power sure. to some well, degree. Of course. Clearly. So yeah. And then it's just been a journey of always being aware still comes up sometimes, but it really has been a shift. Like, it's almost like, you know, moving into a different vibration. Like, I really feel like I'm moving now more into a vibration of service, love, creativity, yeah. um, offering. The fear is there, but it, it's, it's almost like, I think it's one of the, it's like that concept of resistance, right? Anytime you're doing anything, there's going to be resistance. Fear is always there. There's a, it, it loses its power. I just feel like it's a force of nature. It's just always there, but I just move despite it. I move through it. I, I'm not afraid of it, even though it's there, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And that was a big breakthrough and realization for you. Thanks to that Thanks. life coach. Yeah. Yes. I always say it, it's very important to invest in yourself that way, you know, because we, I mean, you know, as much as we want to think we know everything, you know, we just don't. So um, being a lifelong learner too, that's like another one of my, you know, personal values is just always keep learning, you know? Stay humble enough to know that you don't know everything. <laughs> especially know? about yourself. Totally. Yeah. Especially, even, yeah, even more so about yourself. Isn't that crazy? The things you right. know, that, you know, deep-seated things that you've kept inside that are affecting your everyday, you know, interactions or decisions or basically your whole life, you know? So that is definitely game changer. Absolutely. Cool. I'm glad you had that breakthrough. Look at, look I am too. Now. You're helping so many. And I love that, you know, you want to give back and you want to be of service. Fantastic. Really, really good stuff. Well, I feel like when the, when you work through the fear, when you see it, like you can connect with that inner wisdom and that inner wisdom tells you yeah. what you're supposed to be doing. You Absolutely. Know? And you grow and then you can help others right. as a result. Good, good stuff. What are your fears on failure? <laughs> like I said, I, you know, the hard wiring is there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to fail. Um, but I guess like I'm, I'm embracing this idea of the growth mindset. I know people probably heard of it. There's that book mindset by Carol Dweck. I think she talks about the fixed mindset and the growth mindset. And, you know, most of us, many of us, and I think I was, I was, um, guilty of that. Um, we think we're, we have, a, there's a fixed mindset about our capabilities. Like, I'm good at certain things. I'm not good at certain things. If I try to do things I'm not good at, I'm going to fail. And that's dumb. And that's a bad idea. So I shouldn't do it. That's a fixed mindset. A growth mindset is one that says what you said earlier. We're always learning. There's always opportunity to grow and expand. So what's, if you fail, it literally just means there's more room for growth. So I think for me, failure now just means 
Um, it's really exciting and I have a lot of opportunity to grow. And once you're in the space of service and helping others, I really think the failure thing goes away because the failure thing is ego and we all have it. Yeah. It's the ego that doesn't want to fail because the ego wants to be like, I'm amazing all the time. But right. once you move from that egocentric position to one of service and helping others, it's like the failure becomes irrelevant. That doesn't mean I never, I'm never afraid of it or it never affects me, but I'm But now just, you understand its purpose. And so you can say, okay, right. great. You know, it's like looking at it from a, you know, yeah. uh, I guess a, you know, a wise mindset <laughs> for lack of a better yeah, term. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Who inspires you and why? Oh boy. Gosh. I know it's a cop out to say a lot of people, but I think um, I'm inspired by people who live genuinely live a life of service and creativity. I think, um, you know, a life of service doesn't have to be totally selfless. Like I think self care really showing up as the best version of yourself so you can serve others. I, that's kind of the ultimate inspiration for me literally so many people um to count but i don't know do you want me to name a few <laughs> uh, no i mean you know where yeah, did you get that inspiration like who like who you know there's many people who were of service you know um in this world but like who you know, just pick something from them that said you know what that really clinched it for me yeah yeah i'm so i'm so inspired every day honestly by so many i'm inspired by you and doing this Aww. show and <laughs> You know, um, here's what, okay, I would say, I'm, if I'm, I'm just going to pick one. So I have been obsessed with Rich Roll and his podcast, the Rich Roll podcast. He, um, the reason I find him so inspiring is because he's so open and vulnerable about his own struggles. So I think people who can yes, share their I vulnerabilities, um, you know, he struggled, nice with, um, yeah, I struggled with alcohol and, and like substance abuse and really rose from the ashes. And now is giving back through his podcast and his retreats and his books and he's vegan. And it's like, it's so inspiring because literally he hit like the bottom of rock bottom and he shares that in such an authentic way that it's almost hard to read the book. He wrote this book called finding ultra, which I read. So people like that who everyone's had their struggles and somehow we feel some of us feel the need to tell the story in a way that feels very like appealing. And, and we, we leave out the hard bits, which are the most effective bits to share. I know. I think many of us um, need to learn how to do that. It's like a learning process because when you're not used to being vulnerable or, you know, being open and sharing, it's like, it's kind of hard, you know? Yeah. And I'm going to say this too, you know what? I'm inspired by all moms because motherhood is hard. Yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> motherhood is yes, hard work. And so I see moms like juggling the kids and managing the house and working or not working and their passions. And oh yeah, I feel like I'm inspired by moms every day. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Moms rock. And single moms. I was a single mom once. <laughs> very, very tough. But you oh, do it. You know, you do it, you wake up in the morning and you find that strength. And for me, it really was looking at my child and saying, you know what, that person needs me because they have nobody else. So get your ass out of bed. 
totally. Yeah. yeah. Even when it's just that, you know, and I mean, I'm happy to say I've risen <laughs> to so many, um, you know, just through life and experience and appreciation, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. To learn so much. So I know you've talked and mentioned about some, you know, several books. I wasn't sure if it was before we started recording, but in any case, what's your must read book recommendation? At least at the moment. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot. Um, sure. I am going to say, can I have, can I, I'm going to give two recommendations sure. because I just finished one and I just started one and they're both amazing. Okay. So everyone should read this book called The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield which is about this concept of resistance, uh, which you and I have experienced today in full yeah. And it's just mind blowing because I think very often when we're trying to do something big and we feel resistance, we feel like we're the only ones feeling it. And this book really shares like no matter, like the, the most creative, amazing people on this planet face resistance every single day. That's why it's called the war of art. You literally go to war every day with resistance and you do your art despite it. Whatever your art, like your art could be getting healthier. Your art could be starting a company. It could just be like being a certain kind of conscious mom, anything, right? Yeah. So the war of art. And then the second one that I'm reading right now, if, you, if you're a parent or a caregiver, it's called the whole brain child. Um, mm. And it's basically kind of a game changer as a caregiver because it just helps you see you know what's happening with your kids from a brain perspective and how sometimes we have these expectations of our kids sure. that are not in sync with their development like where their brain is developmentally and oh, so it just wow. brings in a ton of compassion into the equation yes. of parenting yes i feel like i just read the first chapter and i'm already like I'm like a transformed mother. My kids are like, what happened to you? <laughs> oh, wow. That's really cool. Yeah. And I've had moments like that, you know, just in motherhood. I remember, you know, if you don't mind me sharing real quick, but um, when my daughter was, I don't know, you know, still potty training, I thought like, for some reason, there was a moment where I thought, you know what, she knows what she's supposed to do because she's already done it you know, is she doing it intentionally? And it's right. that sounds, but I was like, why would she do this to me until, you know, I, I have mentors and I'm, you know, asking like, Hey, you know, like what is going on here? And they're like, you know, maybe she's not quite that <laughs> far along. Like maybe right. kind of schedule her potty training. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that never occurred to me. Something that simple, which is why it is so important that we share and talk, you know? Yeah. Without judgments because, you know, that's the other thing. People usually feel judged, you know, in certain situations because they don't know everything. Imagine that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So those would be my book recommendations for now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Awesome. So talk to us about maybe a daily habit or a routine, something that you do every day that, you know, you credit with helping you succeed. Yeah. Um, I, it's funny. I just made a three habit mini series for my mom light subscribers. Oh, nice. Like, what should I put in the videos? Like I have so many habits, but then I was like, you know what, what are the three habits that give me the best return on my investment of time? Like where's the best ROI? So I would say that because I've just recently done that exercise, the habit that I feel like has been most game changing is going to sound, my husband actually rolled his eyes when I told him that was my game changing habit. <laughs> It's a uh, deep breathing. 
So um, we all know that like we're all spinning too many plates at once. I'm definitely doing it as a mom and a mom entrepreneur. And the science is now telling us that just breathing deeply diaphragmatically where you really let, let your diaphragm expand and like balloon out has sends the brain a calming signal where the central nervous system just calms down your fight or flight response relaxes. And literally I love it because I do it all day. Like I don't have to sit down in a position to do it. I don't need a quiet space, which is very hard to come by in mom life. I can do it when I'm walking my kid to school or right after drop off or when I'm doing the dishes. And it's just about like taking deep breaths in and deep breaths out, like to the count of five. I do that. I do this alternate nostril breathing practice. And I also do like the square breathing or box breathing it's called where you inhale for the count of five, hold for the count of five, exhale, and then hold again. Very, very relaxing for the nervous system. I feel almost instantaneously relaxed and calm. So, Wow, that's so cool. I like that. Um, I typically, you know, do meditation and do some, you know, more like intentional, like, okay, I'm setting away time to go and, you know, do my breathing. So I like this concept that you can do it anywhere. Where can I learn more about this? So momlight.com is where you can sign up for these three habit video series. And the first habit, I walk you through some of the breathing techniques and just share how they've changed my life. And if you want to learn more, yeah, they're just called square breathing and alternate nostril breathing. Or you can even, even, even just Google deep breathing and stress and you will find like a spate of studies that tell you why it's so powerful. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, So, you know, I like to ask this question of every guest, especially, you know, listen, you're someone who has a lot going on. You have a lot of achievements under your belt. You know, obviously you have it very well put together, but there's some people out there who just are pretty much ready to give up on life. Um, Yeah. What advice? Yeah. What advice would you have for, you know, that single mom who has three kids, who's just pretty much done, you know, and doesn't really know how she's going to get the energy for the next day. What would you say? Uh, It's tough. You know, I've worked, um, I worked with clients as a health coach who suffered from like debilitating clinical depression. And I saw suddenly that all my recommendations, my grand recommendations, like eat more greens for breakfast or whatever, you know, can only go so far when you're really like struggling that badly. Um, Gosh, it's, I, I don't know that I have an easy fix, but I will just say this. I think the, the thing that has always helped me rise from the depths of the depths is connection, human connection. So if you can find one individual and really connect with them at like a soul and spirit level, like see them as this kind of soul and earth form or physical form and connect with that. They will connect with you in the same way. And that can be very, very healing, very restorative and very energizing. And it could be your kid who you haven't been connecting with that in that way because it's all so hectic. You know, sometimes we don't connect with our, the dearest and most loved ones in our lives in that way because we're not even seeing them as these light filled beings. So yeah, just connecting with the inner light of someone else, I think will help you shine your inner light more. That's awesome. Incredible advice. Kanchan, thank you so much for sharing and for being so real and so raw and, you know, just so open on my podcast. I'm truly, truly honored that you were with me today. Thank you so much. And do you want to just kind of give some final thoughts on where everybody can find you 
your awesome podcast, Mom Light, and your book, Spice Spice Baby. Anything else? Your website? Oh, thank you, first of all, for having me, for asking such poignant, amazing questions. I feel like I learned a lot about myself through this conversation. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, so people can uh, check out SpiceSpiceBaby.com, um, where I share a lot of spice wisdom and recipes. They can order the cookbook through Amazon or through my website. And then more recently, MomLight, the podcast is on iTunes and MomLight.com has lots of content for health and wellness for mamas, including my deep breathing habit. <laughs> yeah, which I'm going to check out, by the way. <laughs> yeah, totally. Thank you for having me. It's been so fun. Sure. And so um, at the end of every podcast, I'd like to leave you with a quote and I'd like to leave you, my listeners, with this quote. There is no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Let that inspire you this week. And that quote is by Maya Angelou. Thank you all for tuning in.